Welcome to the Chad Marketing Podcast, your number one place to learn actionable strategies and tips that help you have more profitable conversations with your customers. This podcast is here to help you grow your business by better understanding your customers, speak to them on another level, and grasp the opportunities that lie in the chat marketing industry. And now, let's get chatting with your host, live from Melbourne, Australia, successful chat marketer and entrepreneur, Dan Pinney. All right, welcome to today's episode of the Chat Marketing Podcast. If you're creating a chatbot and when you go to compose your message that will be sent, you think, what the hell do I say? Well, I've got today's guest on to help simplify what to write and how to get a reaction. Angela Allen is our guest today who is an award-winning chat marketer that uses her skill in conversion copywriting to get results for her clients. She used to be a journalist, so she knows how to tell a story with words. And in this episode, she talks about how she's adapted her craft to the chat marketing space and has some incredibly valuable tips to help. She's also a fellow Aussie, which you'll have to forgive some of our references to Australian pop culture and slang that might not make any sense to our international listeners. Might need to put some clarifications or a glossary of terms in the show notes, but it's a really enjoyable chat. So let's get into this very upbeat interview with Angela Allen of AngelaAllen.com. Hello, folks, and welcome to episode four of the Chat Marketing Podcast. And look, I know this is an audio podcast, but unfortunately, one of the drawbacks for your sake especially, is that you don't get the visual aspect of our guest today who has, might I say, one of the best heads of hair that I've ever seen, the best blonde curly locks out there. And she's also probably more importantly, a very talented chat marketer and copywriter, Angela Allen. Welcome to the Chat Marketing Podcast. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. That is like one of my, the best intros I have. And funny story is Leo Sayer, who has a beautiful, you know, the singer who's mm. Australian well so he has the beautiful like um locks of hair and his hair is amazing and he got his name leo sayer because he looks like leo the lion because of the beautiful locks of curly hair right funny thing is i'm a leo and my hair looks like this i'm like i'm gonna market this to my to my to the max now and people have actually found me in crowds who have met who've connected with me on linkedin and they've found me in crowds just on my hair it's so weird it happened in at a at a at a conference she's like oh my god is that angela i know you on linkedin i'm like oh my lord that's a bot lady nice it's your own it's your own little marketing tactic i love it no no with curly hair usually keeps it curly right because it's so hard to maintain and i can attest to the fact that it is a (laughs) full-time job to maintain it um but you know what like when it, it, it you when you have really good products and you take care of it, it, it does make a statement. So I'm here to make a statement. Very true. Well, <laughs> we're focusing on the big issues here to start, yeah, to start off issues. with. Yeah. Yes, very <laughs> um, and also, secondly, most importantly, might I say it's also nice, no respect to um, the other guests I've had in the other time zones around the world, but it is lovely to have a chat to um, a fellow Melbourneian. No doubt you can hear by our accent um, that we are both currently in lockdown at the moment. So it's a great time to be able to connect and chat about all things conversations and chat marketing as well. Um, Tell us a little bit about your background uh, and how you started to get into chat marketing. Sure. So I was a journalist first. So I worked with Fairfax Media 
Australian Rolling Stone, Australian Penthouse and FHM. So my favorite lame joke to give is, yes, why I have double page spread, but it's not the one you're thinking of. (laughs) So as a journalist for Rolling Stone, I met a lot of people. And one of them was the GM for Australian Independent Record Labels Association. He asked me to be the social media director for their annual air awards. So I did that for five years. And I also helped as an event consultant for Miss Universe Australia and Miss World. So I also work a lot with events and event marketing as well. So um, from there, I was headhunted to lead Australia's first brand-led newsroom at an ad agency here in Melbourne, which is really exciting. So I went to work on various campaigns, and then from there I worked with other ad agencies. I worked on The Voice Australia, Ford, Sydney Opera House, um, and I also worked with dating expert Matthew Hussey as a copywriter, and I built his messenger bot for his appearance on the Aussie TV show last year or the year before, I think, called The Single Wives. So from there, Went to Crown. Crown was lots of big thing here in Melbourne. It's got mm. properties in Melbourne and Perth. And the one project that I got to lead, very fortunate, was San Antonio by Bloodzo's Barbecue, which is co-owned by its sixth generation barbecue pit master, Kevin Bloodzo. I'm going to do a quick, really quick shout out to Kevin because he is a really good friend of mine. And you can see him right now in the Netflix series, The American Barbecue Showdown. So if you're a big barbecue fan like I am, go check out Kevin. He's a judge on there and he's a lovely, lovely man. And so one thing that always fascinated about me about all these businesses I worked on, like lots of major brands and tiny homegrown businesses, I've done it all. They were really slow to adopt a digital platform. So social media was just posting for the sake of posting with very little strategy. Um, A lot of them were so terrified of digital transformation that it was really obvious they were going to get left behind. And I remember one time at Crown, we had a Pokemon Go thing and the, the Pokemons were showing up at was that the one where you had to go chase the Pokemon? I think that's Pokemon Go, right? That's right. That's right. right. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. One of them turned up at the Crown Fountain, which if you've been to Crown, it's this huge atrium with this beautiful fountain. One of them turned up there and we posted the photo of it. And I remember our CMO was awesome. Um, he was really digital first, but everyone else on the management team, it's like they were terrified that they were going to encourage underage people to end up at Crown <laughs> at the gambling facilities, right? So they're like, you have to remove it. We can't have Pokemon Go on our Instagram. I'm like what (laughs) you know like these kinds of conversation you're having with brands that like huge about like why can't you use social in a way that's like fun and digital transformation and embrace it rather than being like reactive and panicking every five seconds and that's how I felt like a lot of them were doing it was like reactive marketing it was really really strange being you know digital native and how do you have those conversations with the people that are dragging their feet a little bit and are reluctant to change because I reckon we've all been there at some stage with businesses and we've either worked off worked with or in as well. I think they just don't understand. Like I just had a conversation this morning with another um with a chatbot that I'm building and they really don't understand. Like you see some really like I'm going to use chat marketing as an example you see some really bad chatbots out there I'm sorry but I've seen some really bad ones and I think it's a matter of talking about educating them. Like I just do whenever I do a pitch now I actually put together the proposal and I actually do a video and I talk through my proposal saying, this is what this means. This is why you should be excited. These are some stats about messenger. This is like what I propose that you do. And this is what is already being done, but it's not doing well because of this reason X, Y, and Z. And it's fun. And I think 
for chat marketing, people are creating chatbots um, just for the sake of chatbots and they're not really doing anything strategy-wise. Like they're meant to help with sales, marketing, automation, uh, sorry, operations, right? Customer service. But they're not really addressing that. The one I went to today was just like a fun one that was meant to do something but kind of didn't. And then when I left it, because as you do, you get distracted and I went and checked another notification, came back five minutes later and then I had to restart the bot. And I'm like, why am I restarting the bot and going through the same thing? Again, it should have just picked up where I left off. So I think having conversations where you like educate them, explain to them why this is a really important platform and you need to be on it and then showing them what's really good and what isn't really good. And then just giving them like even a like I do screen records now, I'll build a dummy demo and I will screen record and tell them this is what it does. This is how it's going to work. It's literally 30 seconds, takes you about 10 minutes to build and it does, you will get an email like straight away like it is that good to do it that way and that's how you have those conversations because people are visual so you got to remember like if they can see it and you can talk and educate them through it then they'll be less resistant to it and that's what I find the main thing especially this was like crown was the example of crown and pokemon go was before all of chat marketing became um you know something that people know about but it was it was so many stakeholders in that company as with lots of large corporations there are many stakeholders so how do you then evolve your career into what you you not only build them but you bring them to life through copy now as well? Yeah, so it's it's I build and so I, I learned how to code. So I, I started my own magazine, um, Soot Magazine. So I taught myself to code. So I knew how to code. I knew all of that. But you know, with many chat who we all love and worship, um, that made it a lot easier. And then I thought, well, you know, copy is a really important really important space in anything so in in your landing pages in your emails in anything that you do it's really important to have good copy because that's what people are going to respond to the most in terms of like strategy is great the 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 tech is great as long as that's not overblown your copy is going to be what they're reading and what they need to actually you know do to take action so you need that to um to be working so I can actually share with you five rules that help people give good copy in chatbots. Let's get straight into it. Straight into it. So like the one thing I tell people, my rule number one is you've got to keep it conversational. So it's a conversation, but it's like friendly and it's structured. So like if you think about when you're in English class and like your teacher was like, hey, we're going to learn how to write fiction stories, right? You're going to have two characters talking to each other. So if you remember like what the teacher would have said is like when these two characters are having a conversation, they are having a conversation that is structured where the um, the ah, the whatever else you have as a, as a normal human being is removed. So that's kind of like the same thing I ask people to remember if they're writing for a chatbot. It's going to be a conversation, but obviously you're going to remove all those ums, ahs and whatever and thinking kind of pauses they do. So that's what I like people to think. Think of a character in your head, two characters speaking the way you would with fiction. And that's how the kind of conversation you want your chatbot to have with your, um, with your user. That's a really important point, I think, to get mm-hmm. across to people, particularly when they're starting out, is that um, when people think about chatbots, just as a whole, all the word bot. I think almost chatbots have this branding problem where people think that chatbots are these cold, impersonal type programs that are all AI developed and yeah. don't have anything, any human kind of um, aspects behind them. But this tactic can really help with that. For sure, because you've got to like remember that humans are going to use it. So humans as inherent, and we would know this being in lockdown, we crave human connection. So Correct. your chatbot is still meant to be human. So 
it's it's so funny because it's a bot but it's it's human so i always tell people keep it personal don't forget to use personalization so you can insert your subscriber's name into videos and images using nifty which is really handy so yep. everyone wrote down nifty if you yep. haven't used it before humans love to interact as i said we love to interact with each other so you can approach your subscribers like a friend if you want to do a smart delay you know after a message you can say hey i'm just dropping in here really quick to share this with you you know or you can use hey i totally forgot to send you this like you can be really fun and friendly in there as well if that's if that's your brand you can even use it if your brand's a bit more polished you can also use this as a variation you just tweak it and say i noticed you didn't do X, Y, and Z if that's something you wanted to do after like a five or 10 minute smart delay, just a, re a reminder of them or even an upsell. Sure. But like people forget to have fun with it as well. Like I've had, like, why do you not have gifts in there? Why do you not have images? Why don't you have emojis? Like it's meant to be fun and interactive. Like have fun with it. Do you know what I mean? Like people aren't, I feel like some aren't having fun with it. Like I had a, I had to work on the, um a bot recently and and we were working together on it it was a whole a group a whole bunch of us and we got the answers and i got the answers for a quiz and and when someone got the answer incorrectly someone had written no that answer is incorrect that like, can you imagine as a user getting that message yeah. like how bad would you feel <laughs> like i'd feel like i'm the biggest loser like right now this bot is telling me i'm a loser like no one wants to hear that everyone wants to yeah. be like reassured and told you're doing the right thing right so you change that to, instead of saying no that answer is incorrect you go oh you were so close. Like, this is the correct answer. Like, let's try another one. And I think I put in a get smart, um, get smart gif. And, oh, yep. and got smart's going, ooh, you, you missed it that much. much. Yeah. So it's, like, <laughs> it's like immediately you're like, oh, my God, that's so funny. And I want to do the next question. And, like, immediately I want to, you know, keep going with this rather than go, no, that answer is incorrect. Like, that would be horrible. Mm. If someone said that to me in person, like, I would cry. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point around inserting rich media like GIFs, like images in there. A lot of people don't realise when they're building chatbots, they have that capacity, not only media, but you can put video, you can even put oh, video, sound yeah. clips and or PDFs maybe as a result of the quizzes and stuff like that. But the ability to insert that and send that media to them directly into their messenger inbox is incredibly yeah. powerful. So yeah. we've got conversation, conversational and we've got fun. What else have we got? Tone of voice, you have to remember your tone of voice is really important. So this is how the character of your business comes through in your words, both written and spoken. So it's the way you say things and it's as well as the impression that it makes on anyone who reads your your copy or like or hears you or sees you, right? So you need to make sure that it matches either your, like I'm a personal brand. So if you go into to my chatbot, it's me. There's a video of me greeting you and it sounds like me if you talk to me. I very much do um, these kinds of things with with my chatbot as I would in um, real life. I literally have conversations with people in, in just GIFs, you know, and we all communicate <laughs> that way. So they know it's me. They know they're going to get a GIF at the end or something's going to be really cheeky and, and tongue in cheek. But if I was doing other brands I've worked with, like education institutes, they're a little bit more polished. Like I still had fun with them, um, but they were a little bit more polished and a bit more reserved in the way they addressed things. They still praised people for taking the correct action with a button or filling out something correctly, but it was just a little bit less like not yeehaw as mine is. Yep. It was a little bit step back. So you really need to work out what your tone of voice is for your brand or your client's brand. And oftentimes if you're working with bigger clients, they'll send you a tone of voice guide um, and be able to do that. But you can still have fun with gifts and you've just got to remind them that you know, this is the language of chatbots, like GIFs, emojis, all of this stuff is the language of chatbots. So even if they feel like they're a bit more polished and reserved, like you can still fight for the GIFs and the emojis to be in there because that's the type of conversation that you should be having, like, 
you know, how you would communicate via text message or messenger with your friends is how you should be communicating with your customers on a platform that they've chosen to communicate with you. It's not one that you're forcing them. If they're going to messenger and communicating with you, that's a platform they've chosen over email, over anything else. Yeah. So writing to suit that environment is incredibly important. All right, great. Tone of voice. What's, what's the next point? My last one is don't neglect your buttons because people skim readers. No one reads anything, right? We all skim. We're notorious. I do it. I do it too. I'm a notorious skimmer because I've got to go through like so much content a day. So I often don't hear things. Voice drops are really great. If you can put those in bots, that'd be great too, but I don't know how well it will do but <laughs> don't neglect your buttons and that you know you've got to make your buttons do the work so instead of saying yes or no as an answer button you say yes i'd love this or no i wouldn't or we had it for a real estate bot to book a time for a uh, open house they said can you attend this week he says yes i can attend no i can't maybe in the future you know what i mean always give them yeah. the two options explain what they are and then give them a third saying something else basically yeah. and that sort of triggers something in people's minds rather than just i think people can get into that you're right skim reading and then just automated tapping a button because it's there and also depending on what kind of age group that you deal with like if you deal with um we've dealt with retirement villages so um lifestyle which they call them lifestyle um villages now but basically what they are is 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 retirement villages for 55 plus so they obviously aren't digital native so they have a little bit of a hard time understanding as a chatbot and what they need to do and i remember there was a, i was in a facebook group and it was a business or advertising facebook group so it was a slightly different audience and someone saying oh how can these people not understand it's a chatbot and i said <laughs> well have you actually said I'm a chatbot. This is what I do. And this is how you can work with me. She's like, well, I'm finding out you need to do that now. I'm like, well, what do you expect? Like, I don't even know it's a chatbot some days. I'm just like, what is going on? Right. If you're busy, you know, you don't really pay attention. If you're, if you're 55 plus is not your native platform, you know, we're presenting it to them. And this was the same thing we had for the lifestyle, um, lifestyle villages was basically we had to tell them as you would as best practice, you know, this is a chatbot. This is how I help you. These are the, this is what you can type to me if you need help, but everything else you just keep tapping. And they're actually pretty good. I mean, they would type in occasionally, you know, questions that they, that they wanted answered, but they'd usually tap through and then type in the question and wait for the live chat agent to come in and it would be a real human to answer them. But you need to set up that environment first. So they know what they're supposed to be doing and copy helps in that way saying, Hey, I'm this, you tap this button. And people are really good when you say, um, don't type in anything right now. Tap the button below because it confuses me. Yep. People yep. are like, oh, yeah, like I, I'm just going to tap the button because people just want to type things. If it's not there, they're like, what do I do? You just tell them to type something. You just tell them to tap the button that says something else, right? And they know that. you just got to say, hey, this confuses me. Um, just tap one of the buttons below. Don't type anything in. Great. I love it. Five rules um, to start with. We'll put um, uh, a link to uh, one of the articles that you've done as well, which um, captures a lot of those and summarizes a lot of those as well. They'll all be yeah. in the show notes. So how do you go from being the traditional journalist in inverted commas um, (laughs) through to then writing, you know, in a medium that, like you mentioned, is conversational, is short um, snippets here and there with people? How do you and how do your skills evolve to be able to write across two very different mediums? So when you're like, when you're a journalist, you have different rules. Obviously you're actually, you have different ethics and laws and you have a different house style and you're, you're governed by that style of writing. Like in every journalism is, is 
is different. So I've done entertainment, long form, and then I've done um, advertorials, which is basically what a client pays for to advertise in the newspaper. This is when advertising in a newspaper was actually worth something. Yep. So that is very different. So all of them are different styles of writing, and it just takes a lot of time and practice and dedication to the craft. So I wouldn't recommend that everyone goes out and, and you know could do a level of skill that I'm at because I live and breathe this as nothing else for me, right? So it's not sustainable for everyone. So for me, it was just, you know, I'm still a creative. That's my first and foremost thing, but it's a matter of building on those skills. So I already had the writing skills. It's just a matter of getting better at them and changing them to be like, this is a conversation. This is actually really fun. And so it would be slightly different to long form. Like everything we do, I always say to people, you can recycle content. And I think that's really important just to, to make sure everything across all the touch points that you have. Say you have a Facebook ad, you've got your messenger bot, you've got a blog post, you've got probably an email and all those, those you've got the four touch points there. So I say with all of them, you can recycle content from each, you just change them a little bit. And that would be a good place to start for anyone else who wants to start um, going from doing email blog post and Facebook ads to a Facebook, uh, to a uh, messenger conversation. That would be the best way to start. But for me, um, I went from doing this and then I was working at a startup and I was doing um, coaching program startup. So I worked along with Matthew Hussey working on two of, I worked on all of his um, coaching programs, including the launch of his latest one. Um, But I was working before that, I was working on um, a startup here in Melbourne and I launched two of their coaching programs. So we did all of the material across everything. Like it was landing pages, it was the exercises, it was the um, course notes. It was like the biggest baby I've ever worked on. Um, And from there, we found Rutger, which I'm so sorry, I can't even pronounce his surname, but I like... Very smart guy. Rutger, yes, look (laughs) at Rutger, he's amazing. So he was doing a webinar with Kat Howe and I'm like, this is it. This is like what we need to do next to launch this um, coaching program because I was consulting with the CEO. I'm like, we need to do this. Like, let me just... This is before Flow Builder. Like, can you imagine? Yeah. (laughs) My life, like Trilce, who was one of my um, bot blondes and I, we were like, do you remember life before Flow Builder? I'm like, I'm pretty sure I did build it before Flow Builder. Like, I'm pretty sure we just we just did it. Like, we just built it before Flow Builder. We're like, this is so much fun. Let's just build stuff. Ah, uh, the Wild West days of Chapman. Yeah, the Wild West days. You had those spiderwebs. <laughs> you had those spiderwebs. Like, everything looked like a spiderweb. It's, it's insane. Like, we just, yeah. it was right? So, with my ADD, I became obsessed with things. Like, this is the type of personality that I have. Um, so, I went all in on ManyChat. Like, all in. So I built like three to four bots for companies I was working with at the time just to test my skills. And so from there, I grew my agency and I've been working with, you know, smaller brands, bigger brands, doing a lot of coffee, doing a lot of consulting. So I got, I was so, so like absolutely blown away when I was awarded Many Chats Emerging Agency Award. And I was the only Aussie. I was like, what? Um, so that was last year. So I got the award and I'm going to do something really Aussie. So I'm very proud of my award. And if I had a pool room, my award would go straight to the straight pool to the pool room. Straight that reference the- is going to have no, no, uh, I know, it's like it's <laughs> no relevance to like, our overseas. No, I listeners. posted that in the group actually with that photo. I'm going this straight to the pool room, and someone's like, "What do you mean? <laughs> what is a pool room?" Anyway, for those, yeah, I'll put the reference to that link in the show yeah, notes for those. About the iconic movie, The Castle. Yes, yes, an absolute classic. A classic. So you will get it when you when you see this. So yeah, exactly. I, I love it. Well, congratulations um, on winning that award. What um, you mentioned, you, you know, you do, dove in headfirst into chat yeah. marketing. What did you find some of the most challenging aspects of learning how to write copy for the chatbots you were starting to build for people? 
it's just a matter of like when we do things it's a matter of time and like trying to distill like we dealt with so when we built nugget bot nugget bot is a bot that we built for uh days of nuggets which was an event um benefiting operation underground railroad which raised um dollars for that charity which helps um end child slavery um so we we built that one but it was like because we were doing it um, to help the charity, there were a lot of things that we needed to include. So I find that really challenging. Like when you have like almost like legal copy and like terms and conditions and like you've got to insert this in there and there's a lot of information that they want because obviously that was Days of Nuggets was an event. So we had to include the event information plus the stuff that we needed to include for Operation Underground Railroad. So when it's trying to condense so much information that you need to have, that becomes a real challenge. So that's why buttons and, you know, sending people out to websites for terms and conditions, like there were flows that we did for um, beauty businesses that like we didn't have terms and conditions for, but the client wanted them in and then the client would complain that the um, terms and conditions were so long. It's like, but you asked us to put them in there and we told you not to. And, you know, it's having these conversations constantly about like, what is the best way to display like legal things that you need to have, like terms and conditions? What's the best way to display like little information that we really don't need but we should have in there and we're very fortunate that ManyChat has evolved to listen to those kinds of conversations that we have with them like before we had protected templates before we could um you know kick clients out of our bot that were that were in there that added themselves because Facebook and ManyChat were connected it's like these sorts of conversations that we have with ManyChat about the platform we're very lucky that they evolve with us so copy is just a matter of seeing like okay how does it work based on all this information that I know we have to include in terms of the copy, but also what are some ways that we can actually, you know, the platform can evolve to actually support that kind of information. And thankfully it's been doing that, you know, consistently, which has been really good. Yeah, the growth of ManyChat's been incredibly um, impressive over the last few years and particularly over the last couple of years. And that probably brings us to chat about the platform and their upcoming conversations conference as well, which you're presenting at and you're helping build a lot of the behind the scenes for them as well. Yes. Oh, my gosh. This conversations conference, like, 100% virtual this year it's like the first time they've done virtual but they have done an incredible job like Tamila, Farah, Mike, Will, everyone, Oksana, everyone on the team that I'm working closely with is incredible at you know what like just the amount of sheer volume of stuff that we have to get done so it's going to be absolutely like mind-blowing to see this virtual platform to see all the caliber of speakers because we've obviously got you know molly Pittman and neil uh, neil patel damon john ryan dice all your mini chat faves like mackenzie natasha kelly all of whom you know have been guests with you as well like they're yes. all like incredible like the caliber of talent and like the platform and like the value like I know I can say because I'm working on the copy so I'm like biased as a you know content consultant with them and working on the copy like it really is like 15k worth of templates and workshops and it is the amount of work that goes in it to like the the like value that you get for your ticket price is incredible like I forget like as I was just saying earlier like I forget when I work on events, how many touch points there are. And so we did a lot of the ticket sales organically. So it was really, really exciting to see how much that copy makes a big difference, right? Mm. To ticket sales, how much strategy makes a big difference to ticket sales before you put ad spend in. So it's really exciting. So we did that and we did a, you know, we did a strategy about rewarding loyal members of, um, 
many chat and stuff like that. So we had a really great team and really great um, conference ahead. So it's just really exciting to see it all come together um, very, very soon. Yes, not too far away. Um, by the time this episode comes out, it'll probably only be about a week away. Um, but mm-hmm. make sure that you grab your ticket to Conversations Conference. Can you give us a little bit of a um, maybe a behind the scenes look as to some of the work that you've done or what people can expect from the conference and um, obviously you mentioned that this is you know it's a huge amount of work and in a space that's incredibly new you've worked on events before but um, no one's really worked in events during a pandemic and made them completely virtual so how does that impact what you do from a copy perspective and bring it to life and still try to get that in-person experience that we're all hoping we could get but can't um, but still deliver that value at the same time. Yeah, so we did some really interesting things where we did like um, upgrade ticket offers, which do really well. And we talked to them about the value that they're getting. And a lot of people, like we had more Aussies. Like I think last year there were only like a handful of Aussies. This year we had a lot more Aussies um, come into conversations because it is um, 100% virtual. So that travel cost, so with a virtual event, that's removed. So you no longer have the barrier of like travel, which is great. So that's one thing we've found um, has done really well. And as well as um, we did a lot of loyalty reward stuff. So offering certain things to certain tiers of loyalty, like pinpointing our VIPs and that's done really well to do them. We also did a blog post of seven tips, seven expert tips on surviving a virtual event. And then what we did is we got like Molly Mahoney, we got Natasha and Kelly, um, Paul Barron, Trilce and Lauren, which is uh, Mongoose Media and TBS Marketing, all of them came in and gave one tip to survive a virtual event. We put that out. We created um, a Spotify playlist Just quickly, yeah, well, on that as well, I was going to mention both of those things. So a couple of things on that blog post. Uh, I I saw that there's a drinking um, bingo card game. Um, Was that your idea? Um, No, that was all Lauren. Like, she's (laughs) a wild child. Out of the bot blondes, I thought, geez, the trick. (laughs) And and is the Spotify? Spotify playlist yours? That's mine. Yeah, that was I mine. thought so. We had a Bot Blondes one. I'm, like, I'm doing a Bot Blondes one for our session. And then I'm like, you know what? I got on a content meeting with Sarah, who's head of content. And I said, listen, I want to give you guys, like, let's do a Spotify playlist because I hear word on the street for us cool kids is that it also helps with SEO, not SEO, um, search functionality like you will people will find you um in spotify and it has uh, really helped some brands and i'm like okay so we've got to do one and then i made it a team building thing where i said i'll add the first few so mine are all like the first few songs the hustle like yeah yeah i've been been jamming to that for the last day or so and hype squad stuff because no one's gonna have their own like hype squad anymore to come on stage like ezra did last year he had his had ari introduce him in the full hype squad it was amazing so no one's going to have that. So I like, we need to replicate that in a virtual setting. So how do we do that? I'm like, my background's music, so I can't play, but I worship it. Right. So I'm going to do this playlist. We're going to do the hype squad. Then we open it up to the entire mini chat team. So everyone got to add songs. So all the entire team based out of um, San Francisco and Russia all added. So that's a mix of countries there. We've got Aussie hip hop because the, the, um, Part of the Russian team asked for Russian hip hop. I said, that's fine. And I said, as long as I can add Aussie hip hop and mm. fine with that. So you've got some Hilltop hoods there with some Esso. You're welcome. Yep. So, I did um, notice that. It was very good. I liked it when it came on. Yeah. So it's 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 a really fun playlist. So you can play that. So we tried to do some stuff that was like your hype squad stuff to get hyped up for Mike's keynote. And then we've got some stuff where you can really focus and listen. And that was um one of the team members in Russia said we need some stuff for the, you know, focused deep work sessions. I'm like, yeah, that's a really great idea. So he added 
those. So it was a really great collaborative experience for the team. And then we released it out into the world and you guys can, you know, give it a, you know, a work, you know, a life of its own as it goes. So we just thought that would be really cool. So that's another thing, the virtual event um, can have. Unfortunately, we can't play it in, in like a setting um, where everyone can hear it. Um, but I think that's really important to have something that kind of unites us as well as, you know, having all these other elements, which is obviously the email and um, you've got blog posts going out, we've got social media posts going out. So it's just everything trying to talk about the benefits of coming, the value that you get, the great speakers that we got. I mean, I'm excited to see um, Billy Jean because I've never actually seen him apart from his own. Yep. Uh, his own stuff so i'm excited what he's going to bring oh and obviously we can announce um stan who's the vp of messenger is going to be there as well doing a fireside chat so that's very exciting it's gonna be a lot of announcements made uh as well and and some great presentations from people that are knowledgeable in the bot space mm-hmm. but also just have some amazing stories and entrepreneurial stories as well um i've heard about the chat bot for the conference that um is going to be um quite a big chat bot i've heard and yeah. um very interactive and how do you because this conference which um i've heard is also sold about five times as many tickets as usual which means that you know you're going to have a broader range of obviously backgrounds and people but also knowledge levels of chat marketing as well how do you cater to you know the people that are just dipping their toe in signing up for many chat and maybe just you know have a a default reply and a welcome message through to the people that are doing really advanced stuff and integrations and API um, and AI sort of things in their chatbot as well. So the, the chatbot is actually, it has mobile uh, wallet. So Rupert is going to help out with that. So we've got various people working on different elements. So we've got quizzes and we've got, obviously you can sign up for things with event reminders and stuff like that. But um, we have part of the conference was going to be translated because we have a huge Latin American community. So part of it was going to be translated in in Spanish, and I still think part of that is happening, not for the the chatbot, but just for um, for part of the the sessions, which is going to happen. That's great. Um, but I think just the chatbot just follows best practices. Like um, we were speaking to Natasha um, at School of Bots, so we're working really closely. So she came up with, you know, this is what we should focus on, and and I said like we've got to add this in here, this in here, this in here, this in here, based on bringing all the pieces together from, you know, we've got a meet the many chats um, fam quiz. We've got an emoji game. We've got a selfie frame. We've got all these really cool things happening in the bot um, that's coming up. And, you know, just making sure that everyone has fun with it and it's it's really easy to navigate and easy to understand. And that's what we've been working on doing to make sure that it, it does all that stuff. It's, it's, you know, beneficial to the conference. It's um, telling people where what to turn up to and when and also allows them to, like, have a bit of freedom and have a bit of fun. And that's, like, the main thing you can do for a, a virtual conference and for any conference is just have these... Um, these things going out and make it fun and make it interactive because that was part of what we had to do to try and unite people especially because we're all in different countries we all can't travel we all can't physically see each other at least we can share this experience of the conference or share the experience within the bot as well which is really important so that's the main thing I think that needed to come from that was make sure we have all these elements working in harmony and that they're doing um, what they need to to do to make it like a fun enjoyable and like noteworthy experience yeah this is going to be the new normal for a lot of events going forward right and a lot of conference Mm -hmm. events and I'm sure that um, a lot of other conference organisers are going to have uh, a pretty close eye on what ManyChat are doing um, for their conference and how they're integrating, uh, obviously, the chatbot, but everything else into the event as well to bring it to life. Um, where would you, let, let's move forward a little bit from you've evolved from a journalist 
um, through to um, now copyright and mainly focusing in the chatbot space. Where would you, where do you think your career direction, your life direction maybe um, would have gone without the introduction or the rise of chatbot marketing? So like when you have anything like this, like, you know, we have a pandemic and like, I think we had 10 years of acceleration in like two or three years or something, two or three months. Like it's crazy, right? To think how fast everything has changed from like, January you're right so we're like plodding along but I, I think you know regardless of like everything I had to do was pivot because of technology so obviously you know newspapers are no longer a thing print is no not so much a thing we had to pivot to digital so I would still be writing because the wonderful thing about my craft is I can pivot with technology I did it from journalism to print to digital I taught myself to code and did you know my own online magazine just soot magazine like I did a lot of things which still this is a skill that um, people need to understand that it's a skill that helps you if you do it well. It, it helps you sell more, do more, like convert more people, right, into loyal followers or buyers or whatever you want to do. And I do understand, like, there was an article floating around that AI, there was an AI that had written an article. There was AI that wrote an article. And if you actually read it, it's actually really badly written um, because it's AI. And I'm like, well, why would you want AI to write an article about how it's not going to destroy the world? <laughs> It's just a weird thing. If you can find it, like I'll find it and we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, it's this yeah. weird article. I was like, wow, that's really ra- badly written. For- I mean, it's great, but it's kind of like a, um, you know, iRobot kind of. You can tell that it's written by a robot. Dream of consciousness kind of thing. It's yeah. like, it, it's not, you know what I mean? Like there's still a need for, you know, a writer. There's still a need, whether it's a storyteller, whether it's a fiction writer, whether it's, you know, anyone who, who you know, does what I do, which is conversion um, copywriting, um, it's it's all very different skill level. And I think the main thing was when I saw Margaret Atwood, just before we had lockdown here, I saw Margaret Atwood in February. She came to Australia. And now Margaret Atwood's 80 years old. Did mm. you know that? Like, I was like, amazing, <laughs> amazing woman, got on a plane all the way from like Canada and like, you know, that's a long flight. She's I'm like, a trooper. Yeah. Props yeah. to her, right? And the amazing thing she was talking about writing and, and the handmaid's tale and the amazing things that she had uh worked on and how much that she had um worked on the show and appeared on Handmaid's Tale because she, you know, had created these characters and obviously they took a life of their own, um, having the showrunner take the characters, you know, a different direction um to what she had. And I just thought like that's so Im- like her stories and being a writer is so important. Like people there's a full like it was the art center in Melbourne, so it's a full theater of people just because her stories are so powerful and they're all based in real events as well. But I just thought that is so important to people that storytelling and writing is so important to people that like, I would never, you know, not do that. I would probably in a different area of writing, but I would still be doing this because it's, it's just something that I inherently, like, I can't not, you know what I mean? You know, when you yeah. have something, you can't not do it. And that's for me. Like I can't not do it. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Um, and chat marketing's opened up, and we're very happy that you've um, chosen uh, copywriting, in, particularly in chatbots, as um, your focus going forward, which has led to some great partnerships as well. And you have the Bot Blondes, so that yes. sounds like the Charlie's Angels of <laughs> chatbot marketing. Is that? Oh, I love that. We gave that to actually. We gave the Charlie's Angels of chatbots to Mackenzie. Um, Kelly and Molly. We right. thought they would do that. Does that, that make like, they're kick-ass. We're just we're we're just like hanging out on the side. <laughs> Does that make um Zuckerberg Charlie or We thought Who's... Mike. We thought Mike. Oh, Mike, Mike, Mike yeah, has... fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, Mike has to be um has to be in charge, of course. <laughs> All right. So tell me a little bit about bot, bot blondes. So 
we actually started as a joke. Like nobody realized it was a joke. We actually, I, I suggested Bot Blondes one day in a group chat and then we changed our group chat to Bot Blondes TM. <laughs> and like, it was a joke. <laughs> Everything we created about, I'm like, oh my God, it's so funny. We're three blondes and we like make chat bots. How funny would it be? Like no one realizes that's the origin of it. We were just joking around and then we started doing it. And then people started taking notice because people were actually referring to us three as Bot Blondes. So they would actually write emails to us saying, hello, Bot Blondes. It's quite funny because I felt like I'd screenshot it every time and just put it in the group chat and write in all caps hello bot blondes because i just feel like you've just become this thing that's that's larger than you and it's just it was kind of funny because it was just a joke that we had started and we thought this would be really funny in the way that dolly parton um subverts the dumb blonde stereotype and the way that paris hilton does it with a brand persona we just thought this is this is really funny to us to do because we were so strategic in every everything we did after that and now you know made fun of ourselves and and went with that and people get you know, think it's really funny and we're just like, we'll just go with it. Um, but what we did was initially our, our thoughts were, you know, tech is historically male. Every, every industry that I have been in has been historically male. So yep. journalism, especially music journalism, I was the only female Australian freelance writer yeah. on the team. The only one. Like, Sad, that's but it shocking. doesn't surprise me, yeah. Pretty shocking. Like, yeah. I was, like, pretty shocked when I found out. Um, So we're just, I always historically choose, for some reason, I'm, a, I'm always in fields that are, I'm usually the only woman or one of very few women. And for us to be in a tech field that has so many great women in there, we thought this needs to be a space for women to actually be able to have a career and be able to be heard and and actually talk and and be listened to and actually be active in and it's something that's really you know safe for them and I know some people don't don't see it as being um as much as an issue as it is but it really is an issue um when you see you know the statistics around you know um the gender pay gap and you know obviously because um we have women as women uh, we are primary caregivers we are also um, have children so we need to take time off work so in all in all when it comes to retirement age women are more likely to be homeless than any other age, like you know in that in that age in that age group so this is a really re- real thing so when people want to build a career and they're really talented in in, in something that's a historically male dominated space we thought chat marketing is actually really female dominated for a tech space right so we just thought yeah i've noticed that yeah it's it's which is great um Mm. you know i've there's some very very smart and um very talented ladies in the chat marketing space and i enjoy this community a lot more than a lot of other digital communities i've been part of because it does have a great mix of both genders yeah and don't get me wrong i love the like i had to do a post if we saw my post where i was like i don't like i'm not hating on men like or something and i did the hashtag we love the d and (laughs) kelly noble mirabella bless i love her she comes up and she goes oh my god i love that hashtag i'm like let's use this one you know because people felt like i was you know being unfair about gender and making it a thing and I, i wasn't i was just saying historically and in my experience working at being a woman in male dominated fields this is my experience so we needed to make it a real conversation for women to say hey there are several you know it's diversity and inclusion that we want to talk about so there are several avenues that you can take and this is one of them as a as a viable option to actually have that so we created this platform so it's a, a destination where we have a blog and then we're doing a whole bunch of other things that we also want to bring 
um, as well as running our own businesses. Each one of us, Ochilse and um, Lauren and myself, all run our own businesses as well as having this as, as, a, as our baby, as our collective child, right, basically. Yeah. So that's why. Um, so that's why we created it. That's why it exists. And, you know, it's just as, just to say, hey, this is where you can learn things. This is, you know, women can come and join us and we're really, you know, want to support and celebrate the fact that we're here. And also Conversations Conference also has um, chat marketing women who rock panel which includes some of the um, team leaders from many chats so that's going to be really interesting too and they'll talk about you know working in and you know it's an inclusion and diversity panel and they'll talk about those sorts of things so it's, it's really important just to have these conversations and you know make sure that you know women feel re- represented and everyone feels represented in the field that they choose yeah i think that's a really important issue and congratulations on on starting bot blondes and focusing on that because it, it isn't just your experience it is a lot of people's experience and it is a real issue and something that you know pardon the pun needs we need to have a conversation about um and we need to have a discussion about so congratulations to you kudos to many chat um to focus on that and to have it as an issue at the conference as well because um i think these are things that need to happen from an inclusivity perspective going forward for a lot of different tech spaces out there Mm -hmm. that's a really important issue i'm glad you brought that up for um anyone that's looking for more information about bot blondes as well we'll have the links in the show notes um your personality is obviously very vibrant much like your hair um you have this you know chatting to you today i can tell i'm sure the listeners can hear in your voice you have this innate ability and passion to be able to also pivot down different channels where your talent and and taking your talent reshaping it to suit that environment itself um, it's obviously been, I'm not sure where, when you started as a journalist, but it's been a journey, obviously, for a uh, very number of years. I'm 245 years old, vampire you. <laughs> yeah. So how much have your successes to where you've worked with a number of different brands over these years, how much of your success comes down to hard work? And how much comes down to, you know, just pure luck and being in the right spot at the right time? So the way I answer is is a very smart person once said, luck is a combination of preparation and opportunity. And I believe that's what it is. So I don't believe anyone in business right now, today, even in the past, would ever say that luck got them where they are. It may have helped them, like in certain circumstances, but it's not the only factor. Like you could by pure chance be in a room with someone who could really help you in your business, but if you're not prepared for what you're going to say to them or how you're going to approach them, you miss that opportunity, right? Correct. Yeah. So there's a saying like if you're always ready, you never need to get ready. So if you're always in a state of like taking risks and being ready, you never need to get ready. So I think I have worked hard for everything I do, everything, every single time. Like it might not look like that, but because like, you know, Instagram and everything, you portray a certain thing. Like I don't want to be like showing you when I'm like crying in a corner because I lost a deal. Like, because that's not sexy. Like no one wants to see that. Like sometimes I'll put like when I'm depressed, like, and like I'm in lockdown for like 24 seven. Can someone please send me that? I'll do stupid things like that because I try to make the best situation of what it is. Like, thankfully, um, I've got another friend in the UK. We're both trading like what um, headspace meditation we're, we're, we're doing. And that's nice. really helped. So that's really helped just reframe because you have to frame your experience based on what you're in and not let like everything over overwhelm you. And so that's what I'm finding. We're coping because we have a lot of mechanisms to go. But anyway, back onto back onto that. So I work for every single thing I've had every single time. So I wrote my um, first article for Rolling Stone at 22, and that was a few years ago now because, as I said, my vampire age is 245. <laughs> um, so I've been writing for the newspaper for about two years before that. So I did a lot of stories for free. For my, I was working as a... I was a uh, cadet journalist. 
So we got paid like $17 an hour. So it'd be, it'd be better for me to go work in retail. So I did stories for free because I just wanted them to have an entertainment section and I wanted to build this um, relationship with record labels and touring companies and have that represented in in, Fair, in the Fairfax local newspapers. So I talked my editor into allowing me to do music pieces. So I had my folio and I was ready. So I called the Rolling Stone editor and I said, like, I wanted to do this, this and this. And basically his answer was no. Like he doesn't want anything to do with me, whatever. And I had like $30 in like when you're earning like $17 an hour, you earn like nothing as a journalist. So I had like $30 in my bank account and I'm like, I really want to do this. Like there, there's like nothing else I want to do than write for Rolling Stone because I have all this skill. Like, I really want to do it. I think this is like this is like Cameron Crowe almost famous level fangirling right now. I ha- I want to do this. Like I believe in it was Jan Wenner who created um, Rolling Stone. And, like I believed in like what he created for music. I believed in journalism. I believed in like everything that they had done and I'm like this really needs to be a thing so my mum goes you're going to Sydney so we're in Sydney to Melbourne just for our international um yep. it's an hour flight but it's not cheap no, <laughs> it's, it's about $130 one yeah. way depending on when you go yep. so I had like $30 left my mum's like you're going to Sydney I'm going to get you I'm going to lend you the money and you're going to get a plane ticket you're going to Sydney so I emailed the editor and I said I'm coming to Sydney you give me a day like I'm going to be there in Sydney I'm coming and like he gave me a day and thankfully he met with me somewhere in Surrey Hills there are offices in, just outside of um, Sydney at the time in Surrey Hills and so that was I was also at 22 my first time on a plane so I hadn't like you know we're not we're not, oh, talking, no. we're not talking like crazy money throwing around here we're talking about like work hard your whole life you know sort of deal here so I got on my plane I had a meeting with him I showed him my folio and he like gave me my first story and my first story was on the ARIA Rock and Roll Hall of Fame which is for all our internationals this is like you guys have your Hall of Fame in the US as we have an Australian version and that's yep. basically what it was honoring all our you know Max Merritt and all those great musicians who we love I think Casey Chambers was there it was awesome yeah, so nice. that is like you know this is talking about like I am operate uh, like opportunity and preparation. I had both of those come together. And like, luckily I'm very lucky to have a family that supports me. Cause like, you don't ever want to have the life of a total creative where, you know, you're penniless. Um, so that was one. And the other one was, it took me, I was the only journalist to get an on-ground interview with director Tim Burton. Um, and that took me nine months. Wow. So like, there's that sort of tenacity that you have to have as well as like the skill, the talent, the tenacity, and then being ready at any time. Cause I got the phone call less than 24 hours before that Tim Burton had agreed to do the interview. I had 10 minutes and I had 20 less than 24 hours notice. <laughs> so I was like, I was already ready with the questions because they said there's a maybe a slight chance after you've like stalked him and his agent and stalked his agent's assistant that they may just agree to you. <laughs> I'm like, wow. okay, we're going to do it. <laughs> That's such a great story. I think a lot of people can um, take a, yeah. lot, a lot out of that as far yeah. as that combination of tenacity and skill oh, yeah. and passion. My, exactly. My Rolling Stone editor was like, you are nothing but tenacious. I'm like, yeah, if, if someone's going to give me a story, like I worked hard for like that Tim Burton one. Like I think they got an email, like Tim Burton's assistant's assistant, Tim Burton's manager's assistant got an email from me and he was lovely. His name was Howard. And he was like, yeah, yeah, we're going to like, I'm just checking. Tim's on, on set at the moment, but I'm going to check and we've got you like on a list, like somewhere. I was working like so many angles for nine months to get Tim to agree. <laughs> So we finally got it. But, um, you know, the amount of things that you had to do just to get to the point where you got the contact details, this is when, you know, Hunter IO, which is the one you use to find emails. Yep. That wasn't a thing. This was like IMDB premium. I had to like ring, I had to get all the, the details for his agent. Then they were the wrong details. So I had to ring, I rang up 
it was William Morris Endeavor, which is a big entertainment company that handles a lot of Hollywood um, celebrities and Hollywood directors. And I rang up and I pretended that I had the wrong email address because I had the name. So I rang up the reception and I said, hey, I'm calling, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I gave them an email address that would have been close to what their email address would have been. And she gave me the right one over the phone. That's amazing. That's yeah. such a good yeah, There you are. You don't need to do it anymore because Hunter.io will do it for you. Yeah. Hunter.io saved my life. But, but still, I like the really... calling up the receptionist tactic. Yeah, the reception. Instead. And it's so funny because I'd never been to LA. Like, you know, I never, never left Australia at that point. Um, it was just like hearing them sound like every American film you'd ever sound, you'd ever hear when they answer the phone is so funny. <laughs> like, it's still so funny to me when they answer the phone. You just imagine them sitting in their little LA um you know, building or whatever. It's it's really funny. So yeah, she gave me the email address. It's an experience. I love that. I yeah. love that. I'm sure our overseas visitors will be going, what the hell are they talking about a US accent for? It is actually quite unique to us. Maybe it it's is. it's unique for them listening to us as well. Valley, um, she had a Valley Girl accent. So linguistically for me as a writer, like the Valley Girl accent, I'm like, this is hilarious. Yep. Try not to lose your call right now you need to get an email address yeah <laughs> that's amazing um let's wrap up is there anything i haven't asked yet do you think would uh deliver some value to the listeners out there i think we've covered everything but if you are you know serious about chat marketing and you really want this to be something that you know you're not quite sure about you're just interested like come to conversations 2020 like you know even if like we've done, my bot blondes and I have done everything. My bot blondes and I have done everything we can together to um, build, help people build a business. So our session is three blondes, one business plan, how to turn $500 into a six figure marketing, chat marketing agency. So it's, we've basically stripped it right back for newbies. We've made it super accessible. Even if you've never built a chatbot in your life or you only have $500 in your pocket and you know, like we are just like the tip of the iceberg. If this is not your thing, you're not interested in that, like just come along and see like Molly Pittman talk about like, she is a dynamite when it comes to Facebook ads. And then you've got all your mini chat faves. Like I can't speak this enough and I know I have like a vested interest, but like I wouldn't side with anything that I didn't feel was actually doing something that was really beneficial. And I think this is a conference, 100% virtual, the team behind it, the product, everyone involved with it has really put their heart and soul into it and like, it's going to be such a kick-ass event. Like, I am so excited. Like, get oh, wow. me there now. Like, if we could go and meet everyone again, hopefully 2021, we can all meet it. But it's a, like a real riot. It's going to be so good. I love it. If people want to uh, experience or get in touch with you and ex- experience, let's like, see some of your work outside oh, yeah. of a many chat and conversations, where can they find you? So you can just find me anywhere. I'm on Medium. I'll, I've got my Messenger bot, Instagram. If you just look up Angela Allen, my surname's A-L-L-A-N. So yeah, because people put in Ian and it takes them to a Harvard professor, which is not me. No. Um, but if you want to come check me out, I'm always responding to things. I'm chatting away. I'm doing something crazy on Instagram, probably adopting another the koala like i did the other day anything like that just come and say hi and we've got a whole bunch of resources if you're interested in anything to do with chat marketing as well and i can direct you to either i have it or someone knows someone who can help you so we're all here to go and you know make this thing awesome perfect I love it. You're doing a lot for the chatbot community. We all really appreciate it. And I really appreciate being a guest today. Um, and chatting to a fellow Aussie uh, has been a real hoot. Um, I'm not sure whether that reference will even make sense to people out there as well. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we might need to have a glossary of terms, I think, maybe for this episode so people can um, decipher um, and maybe translate exactly what we're talking about. 
But um, thank you once again for being an amazing guest. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate being here and talking about all things chat marketing. So thank you. And yes, great to talk to a fellow Aussie. We are like a, a rare, a rare type. So it's been really exciting. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. All right, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Angela Allen. She has so much energy and it was a lot of fun during that interview. So thanks again, Angela, for being on the podcast. As we mentioned, if you haven't got your ticket to Conversations 2020, what are you waiting for? Um, Depending on when you're listening to this, it may have already been, but it is on October 6th to 8th. And you can get your ticket uh, with 10% off, which I've secured from the guys over at ManyChat at conversationsconference.com and then enter the code CHATPOD. That's C-H-A-T-P-O-D. Anyway, I look forward to next week's chat with the guests that we've got on. Until then, it's bye for now.